Hello, fellow kids, and welcome to Hello, Fellow Kids, the podcast where two totally children talk about books for totally children. We're children. We're definitely, yep. I'm Josh. I'm Mara, and today we are reading Fablehaven by Brandon Mull. Your thoughts first and foremost? Like, did you enjoy Brandon Mull? I enjoyed it, yeah. I didn't love it. Yeah. But I definitely enjoyed it, and I would be interested in reading some more of his stuff to at least try it out, because I know he has the Beyonder series and... Candy. Candy and something Kingdom... Was it First Kingdom? Mm. Or is that a different thing? That might be a different thing. we're just making... All right. And now we're just making things up. Yeah, so... Brandon Mull wrote Gone with the Wind. The the fake bibliography of Brandon Mull. Brandon Mull's Lord of the Rings. (laughs) So should we hop right into it? Yeah, what well, what did you think, what did of, I it? think of it? Well, I mean, just basically broadly. same opinion as you. Where I was, I liked it enough to keep reading. Uh, there was no no time where I'm like, why am I doing this? Even if you weren't <laughs> recording the podcast, I would have still finished the book. Same, yeah, yeah. Like I liked it. I don't know if I'm gonna hunt down the next books per se, but I thought it would told a good standalone story while still leaving things open for a series. Yeah. So there was a clear conclusion, but there's still like stuff they can do that you know they can build on later. It was well-crafted. I keep comparing this to another episode. An episode that you'll never see the light of. No. Yeah. I guess not. We'll release it someday. We'll just be like, oh god, I am so sorry that we recorded three hours of this. Um, The lost episode. It should stay lost. (laughs) It's just like the book that we read. Um... Yeah, no, it was it was well structured. It was pretty well written. Is um, this one that there's any rumors about movies or anything? Cat. Yeah. <laughs> um somebody got the rights back in like 2012, but there haven't been really any updates yeah. since then. But the same thing happened with Artemis Fowl. Like we're just now seeing cast information for Artemis Fowl, and that's been in the works since like 2010. Yeah. But yeah, so Fablehaven was it's if you don't know, it's a five book series ran from 2006 to 2010. I picked up the entire box set at a going out of business sale at a bookstore where it was just like fill a bag as much as you want. It was 20 bucks for the whole bag. Um, so I just stuffed a box set into the bottom. And I'm glad after reading this that I did that because <laughs> if I hadn't liked this and I still was taking up that much real estate yeah. on my shelves for a series that I didn't like, that would have been a complete waste. But no, this was good. I believe you're in charge of synopsis this time. I was in charge of synopsis during the la- the the lost episode. The lost episode. So it's going to look like you're just synopsis girl, but Okay. Uh, chapter 1, a mandatory vacation. So we meet the Sorensen family during a car trip. It's mom and dad and the kids Kendra and Seth, and the kids are going to stay with their Sorensen grandparents because this is kind of horrible. Their maternal grandparents died of carbon monoxide poisoning. And um, they left behind money for all of their children and spouses to go on a Scandinavian cruise, which I kind of think doesn't even sound fun. But um, but apparently the grandkids can sit and twist, hence this road trip where Seth keeps bitching and acting like the little brother in every piece of 90s media ever. <laughs> so uh, they reach a long driveway that's uh, full of no trespassing signs and trespassers will be shot. Uh, Kendra is concerned by this, but is dismissed by the family who say that signs are only a joke. And I had to check the title of the book and make sure it said Fablehaven, not Meth Haven. (laughs) (laughs) 
So uh, they arrive at the house and are warmly greeted. It's actually, it's a lenticular cover depending on the angle it's Fable Haven or Meth Haven. <laughs> that would have been, a, that's a cool story I'd want to tell. <laughs> so uh, they arrive at the house and are warmly greeted. Ha ha, just kidding. Grandpa Sorensen meets them along with the exotic looking Reed Asian housekeeper, Lena, and a groundskeeper named Dale. So Grandpa tells a totally believable story that the grandma is away nursing a dying aunt. Bear in mind, no one has ever seen these grandparents together in the same place, like ever, apparently. Except, I guess, the dad when he was growing up. (laughs) Okay, so the parents uh, can't leave fast enough, with Kendra having a hilarious, uh, snarky thought. I'll read what it was. Mom and Dad were probably laughing, relieved to be off by themselves for the longest vacation of their married lives. She could practically hear their crystal goblets clinking. <laughs> All right, and then Grandpa tells them they're staying in the attic, and then I immediately think of V.C. Andrews and am concerned. <laughs> Luckily, it didn't go in that direction. Uh, the attic has been converted into a playroom full of 19th century toys, and for some reason, the kids don't find this lame. Uh, Grandpa practically tells them they're confined to the playroom because the woods are tick-infested and he doesn't want them effing around in the barn. He warns them about Lyme disease, which I have a story to tell about Lyme disease, can I? <laughs> in the middle of the synopsis. Yeah. I once, um, I was reading, like, some, uh, history, uh, history, health book. And she got Lyme disease. When I, no, when I was, a, when I was a kid, I reading a health, health book and it got to, like, talking about Lyme disease, it just kind of mentioned it and then went along. And I was like, well, what the hell is Lyme disease? So I asked my mom, like, what are the symptoms of Lyme disease? And she looks over at me and goes like, well, uh, it's like a poor eyesight, uh, addiction to sweets, uh, poor math skills. She was describing me. This one to freak me out thinking I had Lyme disease. So that's the family I grew up in. Anyway. How are your so, math skills? They're poor. <laughs> I think I have Lyme disease. <laughs> okay, and um, they also have to look after a chicken, which is staying in the room with them for some reason, and seems to hate Grandpa. And the kids squabble over a telescope, and we end the chapter hating Seth. Oh, also an important thing. Grandpa reveres uh, Bluebeards them and gives them a ring of keys, take, tasking them to find where they go to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of death in the first, like, nine pages right. of this. And they're so glib about it. Yeah, everything's She's just... like, our grandparents suffocated. And I was like, that's carbon monoxide poisoning. That's horrible. Yeah, and then it's like the grandma's supposedly visiting their Aunt Edna. Edna's dying. And I was like, oh my gosh, this book like, is really... Are... Yeah, I'm like, why are they just now hearing about this if this is the guy's aunt? <laughs> So I was really confused by the family dynamics and really thrown by yeah. it. I'm going to go ahead and just read the very opening part of the book. So it says, Please do. Uh, Kendra stared out the side window of the SUV watching foliage blur past. When the flurry of motion became too much, she looked up ahead and fixed her gaze on a particular tree following it as slowly approached, streaked past, and then gradually receded behind her. Was life like that? You could look ahead to the future or back to the past, but the present moved too quickly to absorb. And I just wrote, slow down, Kendra. I just got here. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, are you just trying not to get car sick? (laughs) That's what I was thinking. (laughs) I also love how blunt it's, they were going on a cruise because Kendra's grandparents had asphyxiated. Right. I was like, what? And they don't seem terribly broken up about it. Yeah. Um. The whole Scandinavian cruise thing is super extra convenient, but I like the fact that I think he knew when he was writing it, it was like, no one really cares what the reason is that the kids are going to end up being here. Like, just friggin' whatever. Let's just make this just stupid enough that the kids <laughs> won't care to go anyway. We're like, no, that's fine. I do not want to go into the cold northern seas on a cruise. 
And then when the housekeeper... The exotic housekeeper who appears to be Asian. Aren't you pretty? She said to Kendra. You must be around 14. And then I drew a little picture, a little corner with the word age being squeezed in by an arm because it it was just very forced in. (laughs) Uh, When he was describing the ticks, I was like, I really, I'm not a fan. Not a fan of ticks. Don't like the idea of... There aren't very many people who are fans of ticks. (laughs) I'm a fan of the tick. You know, Patrick Warburton. Okay. He's also Lemony Snicket. I was really bugged that at the end, like, she... Were you? We were just talking about ticks. <laughs> <laughs> I was really bugged that when he gives them the, the three keys, and then they just start doing other things. Because if somebody gives me three keys, the first thing I'm going to do is try to figure out what the heck the three keys go to. That shows how you're different from them. <laughs> so you already hate Seth? Totally hate Seth. Like, from the get-go, I completely hated him. He's like every little brother stare. Well, like I said, he's like every little brother in any piece of 90s media ever. But they don't even have internet here. You know, that kind of weird... I guess I'm like even more impatient with that because my brother was not like that. So I see the little brothers are like that on TV and I go like, mine's not like that. I don't get this. I get that, you know, not everybody. I don't... It doesn't resonate with me. It's not my personal experience. It's like how Gilmore Girls... I'm so fed up with, like, the relationship between the single mom and the daughter. It's like, have a single mom. It's not what it's like. It's really weird. I mean... Why is Seth your favorite character in the whole thing? No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I know at some point you're going to parallel him to me, though. No, I don't. Really? Seriously. You are so way less annoying. (laughs) Like, because you can be told no, and you will stop. (laughs) Seth's just all like... Seth, Seth almost gets everyone killed. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't hate Seth. They I don't, hate. I don't particularly like. The hate him. winds down to mildly dislike because he kind of evens out at yeah. some point. We ready to continue? Yeah, hit me with chapter two. Okay, chapter two, collecting <laughs> clues. Aunt Maggie, you get mad if you collect the clues. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The next morning, they all have breakfast with their grandpa and try to get more info out of him about grandma. Kendra points out that grandma was already sick herself, and that's why she missed the Larson funeral. And grandpa does the. What's sick? Oh yeah, sick. Routine that lying liars do. Afterward, the kids play in the pool and fight with each other and run races. Then Kendra notices dragonflies and butterflies hanging around a hand mirror she brought for some reason. And like a big coward, Kendra has Seth go turn the mirror over in order to see if they just like the reflection or the mirror itself, which is kind of a weird distinction. Uh, The bugs aren't having any of that ish and they flip the mirror over. (laughs) They decide they're done swimming and they go change. Seth decides he wants to go out in the woods. Kendra tells them that it's a dick move since their grandpa's been pretty nice to them and they should listen to him. Seth's like, bitches say what? And heads out the door. And Kendra <laughs> Kendra immediately stops him. Ha <laughs> ha, just kidding. She starts trying out the keys on various locks, which actually sounds like a lot of fun, especially when she's exploring the elaborate Victorian dollhouse and uh, finding chocolates. Way better than Lyme disease. <laughs> so then she decides to look out the window for Seth even though at least an hour has passed at this point, and instead she sees Dale carrying a mystery object to the edge of the woods and hides it behind a low hedge. So Kendra goes outside to see what this is all about, and she discovers that Dale's left a pie tin full of milk. It attracts lots of uh, winged creatures, which gulp it all down. This is actually interesting and cool, so Kendra looks away to the attic. Using spatial reasoning, she realizes that the playroom only takes up only half of the attic. Maybe one of her keys will open a secret door. Just then, Dale shows up with more milk and immediately looks busted when he sees Kendra. He starts some BS about taking milk to the house, but Kendra lets him know what's up, and he asks if she can keep a secret. Kendra can. I'm creeped out. Don't have secrets with children. 
Anyway, the big secret is Dale leaves excess milk for the insects to keep the garden lively. Then he asks where Seth is, and Kendra's like, bitches say what? And heads back to the house. (laughs) (laughs) I told you this got kind of anything for this chapter. On page 20, the word peculiar is right above the word children. Since I put a little square around them. (laughs) Oh, okay. Nothing to do with anything, but... (laughs) There were words. Yeah, this is... (laughs) Did I mention I'm an English major? This is my <laughs> literary... There were words on the same page that appear in other things. While Seth was swimming underwater, Kendra picked up the mirror. She angled the face so it reflected sunlight onto the water. When Seth surfaced, she made sure the bright spot of sunlight covered his face. I just wrote, that's effing dangerous. Sounds like something I'd have done. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, come on, Kendra. Like To be fair, he was doing that at breakfast to her. So she's doing it back like, yeah, not so fun, is it? Because that's what you gotta do with the crummy little brothers from 90s sitcoms. Yeah, but then there's also the water that's also <laughs> reflecting. Oh my god, you're, there, you're gonna blind each other! <laughs> yes! Yes, they are! <laughs> Did they get, like, a worried cousin Josh that shows up in, like, later books? <laughs> this all seems really dangerous. What exactly is the insurance plan for this place? Well, I don't think you get coverage anywhere! <laughs> well, Kendra is kind of... Like, not a worry wart to, like, a she's huge cautious. degree, but she, yeah, she's a lot, I like that about her. I like. I do too. Someone has to be that way. I liked book. having a child protagonist that could, to a degree, think out consequences and didn't do things just because she could, but yeah. wasn't, didn't cross the line to being precocious and just being an adult in a child's body. There was a good blend there. I don't think it was a perfectly right. written Like trying child, to blind but... him in the pool. Right, like she still does a couple of dumb things, but she right. thinks about things a lot more than just being like that head My first. My actions sort of. have consequences. Yeah, yeah. And I, I felt that that line was walked really well for this yeah. overall. Yeah, I, I, well, I don't know if like is kind of a strong word, but I, Kendra's an okay character. Can appreciate her. Ah, uh, yeah. She has the keys and she's opening stuff, and when she opens one of the, is it a wardrobe in the dollhouse? Yeah. I love that. That was like my favorite part because I love miniatures and dollhouses and yeah. stuff. I'm just, I'm so fascinated by it. So I was and, like, let's read more about the dollhouse. And then a chocolate falls out and the first yeah. thing she does is eat it. And I was like, we have no, no idea how long that's been there. Right. Who put it there? Have you found old candy before? Right. It does not look yeah. appetizing. My assumption was not that it was put there and like immediately before handing her the key. My assumption was that's been there for decades. Yeah, that was mine too. So I'm kind of like, ew. <laughs> But apparently it was like the best chocolate she'd ever had in her entire life. I was very Nancy Drew when I read the thing about the milk, because I just highlighted that part. And I was like, fairies like milk? I know this! You know fairies like milk? Uh I had no idea. Yeah, fairies like milk. Where do you learn this? Uh, fairy books. I had a bunch of fairy books. Like, you know, See, like I was more into mermaids, okay, so you, that's my wheelhouse. You know, like, you know, like, dragonology and those, like, interactive... Yeah. Uh, a couple of other publishers did some, and I had one on fairies, and so I learned stuff okay. like that. That makes it. sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that they like milk, but okay. Do you have any... No, it's... It It really builds... Right. Like, like the first... It's, it's very... It's, it's structured... It's structured much better than another book that we read that we haven't yeah. talked about, where it doesn't try and overload you immediately with, yeah. like, concepts and stuff. You're it, just like, no! Exposition! I was trying to explain this uh, to one of our other classmates, uh, the difference between, like, he's really into, like, really heady sci-fi books that are, like, you know, big universes and stuff, whereas I'm not so much into that sort of thing, and I was explaining to him, 
his books often start at like the wide end of a funnel. Like it gives you it like just yeah. overloads you with information, then narrows in on some specifics. I prefer stuff that works with the narrow end of the funnel first, where it's like, let's ease you in and then we can broaden the world later. And that's doing this really well. Yeah. That's what I prefer too. Because if you tell me everything at top, I'm not gonna remember it. Yeah. You need to get me invested in something yeah. before you can start adding all that on. Because I get bored, my mind wanders away. Like I can't. Yeah, because it's like I don't have context for any of this terminology no, yet. No. And I can't care about something I don't have context for. Right. Chapter two. Chapter no, it was chapter two. Good chapter. Chapter three, the was Ivy it, Shack. Was, was it pretty good? Pretty good. good, good. The Ivy Shack, baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this chapter, we follow Seth into the woods. I was glad that we did because I was worried it's just going to be all Kendra. But yeah, well, well, this doofus. Okay, so we follow Seth into the woods. <laughs> And he actually seems to know what he's doing. He's got a compass and keeps going east. He goes, keeps going in one direction. <laughs> one direction. He keeps going east. Did we talk about his cereal box? Of, yeah, his no, survival pack. His survival pack that's like cereal box full of various stuff. And which he had his. I did that sort of thing when I was a kid. I had we had a tent set up in the backyard, and I had like a little pack of like ghost hunting gear that I kept in it. How did you hunt ghosts? I just like took notes about strange things you didn't like you didn't have like a little recorder I, no i did actually i had i had my grandpa's old like mini tape recorder like those little micro cassettes mm -hmm. i had one of those we're podcasting with goose <laughs> we're ghost casting we're ghost casting <laughs> okay oh seth's being surprisingly competent uh he keeps going east and when he comes to a crossing on the trail he actually leaves a pile of rocks to mark mark the which path he's taken which I was like, I'm an adult, and I wouldn't have thought to do that. Uh, then he gets spooked by a porcupine that he shoes away, and it leaves, but doesn't seem too bothered. I, I just included that because I thought it was hilarious. Porcupines live in America. Is that a thing? I don't know where porcupines are from. You're asking a question like that when there's naiads in this and We trolls. haven't gotten to that. <laughs> At this point, all we know is that there's a porcupine. I, mm, I think maybe I'd be endangered, or at least threatened. But I think we, there are some. Uh, listeners, if you know uh, the proper uh, region for porcupine. porcupine habitats, please email us at uh, hfkpodcast at gmail.com. That's what I decided on, right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, so uh, he comes across uh, the ivy shack, the titular ivy shack, and inside is a decrepit old woman featured on the cover of the book. I showed the microphone for some reason, because you're clearly sitting right <laughs> here, like, look, see, and the microphone's just like, I don't even care. I could never tell for the longest time if that was supposed to be a guy or a girl. I didn't know either, so when I got to this part, I'm like, oh, is this who this is? So on the cover is this decrepit old woman gumming an old rope while she hunkers by a stump. I did write the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so she sees Seth and starts speaking to him in this proper Elizabethan way that actually made me laugh. They talk, and she keeps trying to invite him inside, but Seth isn't having it. She even offers him a creepy puppet, and she offers him a mystery box to stick his hand in, which doesn't entice him, weirdly enough. Seth instead asks if she's a witch, and she doesn't care for that much. So he takes off, and he sees her wiggling her hands and muttering something. And on the way back to the house, some unseen force screws with Seth, and he's pelted with pebbles. He's tripped, and a big tree branch almost falls on him. He runs the rest of the way home, and it's a good thing that he remembers the area well, because his rock pile's gone. Uh, he crashes into the playground, a playground, playroom, where Kendra's been unsuccessfully searching for a secret passage. Instead, she found a journal of secrets with three clasps, one of which she has unlocked. 
Uh, she quickly hides the journal and listens to Seth's story, which she immediately disbelieves. She wants to tell Grandpa about the weirdo on the property, but Seth says no, because then he has to admit to being in the woods. <laughs> it's a catch-22 when you're a kid. <laughs> Even though I think the weirdo in the woods get more in trouble <laughs> than he would. So Seth then says he made it all up and takes Kendra to a fancy treehouse he found in the yard. We leave them putting a puzzle together, Kendra slowly starting to believe Seth's story since he actually seems scared. I really like, and this is a recurring thing through the story, anytime he goes into the woods he's adamant to wear his camouflage shirt or that everyone needs to wear green because it makes you harder to see. This is very important to him. <laughs> so at one point while he's walking on the trail, he he was deciding if he should like head back or not. So it was like, he looked around, he had come a long way. Of course, finding his way back would be no trick. He just needed to backtrack along the trail and then head west. But if he turned for home now, he might never make it back this way again. I have a story that that reminded me of. Have I ever told you about the time I got lost on a mountain? No. Okay. <laughs> Which mountain? Lake 22. I don't know what that is. It's, uh, I'm pretty sure it's 22. So, went on a hike with, uh, two buddies and... How old were you? Freshman. But so we're 12. We're <laughs> <about>. <laughs> Freshman in elementary school. Um, so, kindergarten. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a kindergartner. Um, and they let the three of us kindergartners just head on up. Seems um, irresponsible. No, so it was but me. Continue with your story. <laughs> it was me and two of my best friends. One of them, it was also his parents and his little brother and the buddies and I decided to go on ahead and we're walking along and one of my friends is like hey this little waterfall climbs right up to the switchback on the path we should climb up that and I was like eh. he was like come on let's go and so we climb up and it's like it's like a little trickle it's not even anything it's like maybe 10 15 feet up and we climb up and we're not at the switchback yet and he's like oh it's just at the top of this ridge so let's go so we climb up that and it's not there so we keep climbing there is no switchback on this path. Oh no. We climb straight up the side for about three hours. And then we're like, what? Is that a refrigerator? Because there's this big white thing sitting in the. No, we had reached snow. Oh no. And we're wearing just like jeans. I think one of us was wearing shorts. And so we get to the snow and we keep climbing because we can't head back down. We don't remember which way we came up. So we get up and we finally see the lake couple hundred feet below us, and the sun is starting to set. (gasps) (laughs) And the only way down to the lake, which is frozen, is to slide down the mountain using the trees as brakes. So you slide down, hit the tree, crab walk over to get in line with the next tree, slide down, grab the tree, crab walk over. So this is what you guys did? (laughs) Yep. All the way down to the edge of the lake, then walked around to the dock where you're supposed to end the trail, and then sprinted back down the path. We got to the parking lot. The parents weren't actually that concerned, but there was a guy that was like, we were about to send a helicopter for you. We already called your moms and said that we could not find you. Oh, no. So, <laughs> parents so. were not too pleased with that. No. Um, I'm never going hiking with you. I have not been hiking since. By the way, the guy that first, like, led us up the waterfall and stuff, class president, four years running. I wouldn't have voted for him <laughs> for dog catcher. <laughs> He's my best friend in the whole world, but he almost killed me. Way at one, go, at one point, friend. sorry, at one point, my other friend was clinging to a tree, and he was like, tell my girlfriend I loved her! And we're like, <laughs> shut up and slide. <laughs> <laughs> shut up and slide. <laughs> 
So that's the story of the time I got lost on a mountain. Okay, back to this story, I guess. How's it gonna top that? I really Let's liked. Find out. I really liked when he was talking to the witch because he gets some snark going. He too. is so snarky. But like, it's but, pretty well written. Yeah. She's like, you happened upon me by accident out exploring. Actually, I'm selling candy bars for my soccer yeah. team. It's a good cause. <laughs> she stared at him. I have my best luck in the rich neighborhoods. <laughs> she was like, you are an impudent young man. And you live in a tree stump. <laughs> and you live in a tree stump. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And then bit. he was like, are you a witch? And she was like, a man with a brave tongue should support his words with courageous actions. And he was like, this seems like something a witch would do. And then he's like, I better get going. Have fun eating your rope. And then heads out. This is when Seth was cool. Like, this is when I liked him. Yeah. I feel like when he's not being an annoying little twit, and when he's more like this, it's it's like he's like Finn from Adventure Time, is what he reminds me of. Well, I think it's kind of like you act different based on who's around you, and I think the power dynamic with Kendra makes him feel like he has to take on a certain role. Because she's just so, like... By the book, mm-hmm. these are this is what we do. This is mm-hmm. how it's structured. And then plus she like lectures him like she he, like he's her kid. Mm-hmm. Like when they show up to the house and she goes, "Don't touch that. That's expensive." I'm like, "Okay, mom, junior, could you back off?" <laughs> yeah, I get that he's annoying, but you're trying my nerves too. There's also a part where the witch, which by the way, it is a witch. She's a witch. Okay. Yeah, raised an arthritic hand with the middle fingers crossed and the others bent awkwardly. And I just wrote West Side. West Side. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do, 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 do. But is this East, East Coast? It's not West Side? I kind of got the impression this was like upper, upstate New York or something. Well, yeah, it's, I I mean, I they're in Connecticut. Oh, okay. Does I, it say Connecticut? Am I just dumb? It says Connecticut. Okay. But, I mean, I gotta I'm represent, dumb. you know. Josh can read. <laughs> I was too busy making dumb comments. <laughs> I I like the treehouse. It's a very classic looking sort I of treehouse. I love tree house. the treehouse. I've always been a fan of like clubhouses and things Me like too. that. Me too. I never had one, but. Me either. But. I wanted one. So when my dad was little, he had this tree house that was, it was kind of like a, sort of like a teepee that had just been constructed out of like yeah. wood. Um, and it was propped up on these big pillars. We, at one point, went back to his old property and they still had it. And he asked if he could buy it. And so he brought it home. It wasn't on the pillars anymore, but he brought it into our yard and then he replaced uh, all the walls with whiteboard so we could like draw on it and stuff. And that was pretty cool. Welcome to our podcast, Childhood Stories. <laughs> you know, from the stuff that happened last week. Right. All right, chapter four, The Hidden Pond. One day it's really rainy and Lena, Lena the housekeeper, uh, makes Seth this really detailed paint-by-number pictures. Like, I'm amazed by this. Initially, Kendra turned down Lena's offer, as I would have too, uh, for one of herself. And uh, she changes her mind after after seeing how cool Seth's stuff is. So uh, she looks all over the house for Lena and she finds her outside gardening in the rain. Okay. Lena waxes poetic about rain, then says it'll be gone within the hour. She's right, and Seth goes outside while Kendra hangs out inside reading because she's a big nerd. Suddenly, Seth (laughs) busts in all dirty, and he tells Kendra there's a park in the woods. She's curious, so she goes along. They crawl through a hedgerow and end up in the chalk drawing from Mary Poppins, only there's peacocks instead of penguins. (laughs) (laughs) They explore gazebos and have a good time before heading back. At dinner, Grandpa reveals that he knows they've been in the woods. They accuse him of keeping cool-ish from them. He says that the woods are full of endangered, dangerous creatures. In fact, there was a white frog Seth tried to catch, and it's hella deadly. Now he wants the kids confined to the attic for the rest of their stay. The kids argue that he lied, and now that they recognize the danger, they'll follow the rules. 
the agree on one day in the attic, but I think they should get at least two for the two times they've the woods were breached. Just saying. <laughs> You're gonna be a great grandparent. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be a parent first. Yeah, when she presented the whole paint by numbers thing, I was just like, and this took how long? Because it said it was yes. comprised of at uh, more than ninety different shades. And I was yeah. like, that is crazy. That's super cool, but yeah. also ridiculous. <laughs> Why are you doing <clears throat> this for Seth? <laughs> but like, he he wasn't even an ungrateful little butthead about it. He actually did it, and yeah. it, like, sounds like he did it all correctly. I did write in here. Kendra is such a mom because she's like, you're gonna catch a cold. Oh God, I've never said that to my brother ever. <laughs> At one point, uh, Seth takes some fruit from a tree in the little gazebo area. I was just like, you shouldn't do that, because in every story I've ever read, eating fairy food is a horrible idea. Eating any food that you don't recognize is bad. Fairy food, extra bad. And it's biblical. Don't don't eat forbidden fruit. Right. You'll bring about the fall of mankind, Seth. When Grandpa breaches the subject about them going into the woods, he, he does it. so passive-aggressively. What do you suppose makes people so eager to break rules? I know. He reminded me of uh, in, um, well, like, way more calm. But it reminded me of in The Big Lebowski when, like, Walter has the gun in the bowling alley. Like, doesn't everyone give an S about the rules? <laughs> You've clearly never seen the film. I have. Okay. <laughs> it was a long time ago, though. Okay. I was, like, four. That hardly counts. You're not even <laughs> a person when you're four. And then... <laughs> it's just last week. <laughs> Seth's like, why are you hiding weird old ladies out in the forest? And <laughs> it, it, Grandpa's like, she has a rotten old rope. You didn't blow on it? I'm just like, what? Because until you get the context of it, it's like, what kind of question is it? that? Oh, gee, you took away my weekend plans. <laughs> I was totally going to find creepy old ladies going, hey, can I blow on your rope? <laughs> that sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> and what did you do, Seth? I've been blowing rope. Finding old ladies and blowing their rope. She's a West Coast rapper. Like, blowing on rope. Blowing on rope. Just as long as I don't Grab hold of my knot and blowing some rope. I'd like this to end. <laughs> chapter five. Okay. <laughs> chapter five. This book is so much better than the last one. I'm so yes. much happier. You're very giddy. All right. Chapter five. Journal of Secrets. It's another rainy day. Kendra's painting the park. That Lena set up for her, but Seth is bored of painting. No fake, no kidding. He did like three the day before. Uh, instead, he points out that there's a lock on the unicorn rocking horse. So Kinder drops everything and she unlocks the horse. More chocolates fall out as well as another journal key. And she has an epiphany and goes back through the jewelry box that she'd opened previously. And she finds the final key on a charm bracelet. She unlocks the journal and dun dun dun! It's empty. Except for the last page in tiny letters is drink the milk. Hmm... The next day, Kendra hounds Dale about the milk, but he insists that it's unpasteurized and unsafe. Kendra's a coward, so she has Seth drink it. <laughs> he does. There's a lot of this where Kendra's like, I'm too scared to do it. I'll make Seth do it. And Seth's always like, okay, cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll play Russian roulette. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Five and six chance. Yeah. This is pretty good. I like those odds. <laughs> so... <laughs> Seth drinks it, and uh, he starts shrieking about fairies, which I would think it was full of hallucinogens if he was doing that. I would be able to get me some of that. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Kendra takes a Wait, sip herself. You would or would not be all give me some of that if it was full of hallucinogens? I'd have to see where he goes with this. If he ends up clawing his skin off, then I'm like, no, it's okay. But if he's just wandering around the yard mumbling about fairies, I'm like, I might want some of that. I might want some drug. <laughs> I'll take 
drug. <laughs> okay, so uh, Kendra finally takes a sip herself, and she realizes that all the butterflies and dragonflies they've been seeing this time have been fairies this whole time. Did, did your book tell you that they masquerade as butterflies and dragonflies? What? Qua? Huh? Ruh? <laughs> We're not quite at rut row. <laughs> this, this turns pretty bad. Okay, so Grandpa shows up, and he orders them to his study. Surprisingly, they're not in trouble. He explains that his home is called Fablehaven, and that it's a reserve for mystical, fabulous creatures. They're allowed to see the fairies now, but they're still supposed to exercise caution, which means Seth's just going to do his thing. <laughs> they can't go back to the park because naiads will try to drown them, you know, as they do. And the center island is a shrine to the fairy queen, and she killed the last groundskeeper who ventured there, so that's a big no-no. Also of concern is Muriel Taggart, that is the witch Seth found. Uh, she was the wife of a groundskeeper over a hundred years ago, but she got obsessed with the dark magic in the forest, and uh, she was captured in the shack by her husband when she and the dark creatures staged an uprising. The kids agree to stay out of the woods. <laughs> we'll see, or this is going to be a short book. <laughs> <laughs> and then they stayed inside for two weeks. The end. <laughs> How was your trip, mama, papa? Were you ever so happy to be in the Scandinavia? I'm sorry your parents asphyxiated. <laughs> I want the alternate ending where that happens. Okay. Anyway, what were your thoughts on chapter five? It, well, chapter five opens with, Did you ever notice the keyhole on the belly of the unicorn? Seth asked. And I wrote, Seth, you're so convenient. Yes. <laughs> I have not noticed. I don't tend to look at bellies of things. Kendra's talking to Dale about the milk. Um, <laughs> what, it'll give us diarrhea? I laughed pretty hard at that. She wants to, they want to see the cows. He's like, your grandfather's rules, your grandfather's rules. He has his reasons. I'm not about to go breaking them or bending them either. No? Well, maybe if you let me see the cows, I'll keep your secret about putting out the milk. Now, see, that's blackmail. Yes. I will not stand for blackmail. <laughs> so she's not the good kid she pretends to be. Uh, when she told Seth to taste it, I was just like, devious. I like it. Because <laughs> I wouldn't be doing anything no. first. No, uh-uh. But if you had your know, dumb brother. My brother would not be like, drink the milk. He'd be like, no, why? You drink it. Yeah, you don't have a dumb brother. I know, that's the thing. <laughs> that's why I can't my, relate to this. <laughs> my dad would have been the dumb brother, and he's the oldest one. He would have been like, drink the milk, and they'd be like, no, you do it. And he'd be like, Fine. We'd get, we'd I'll get, show you. we get cheese it to drink the milk. Probably would. You know, it would give him diarrhea. Uh, oh, it says when they're talking, or when they first see the fairies, mm -hmm. it says their wings came in all varieties, mostly patterned after butterflies. And I was like, how do we know butterflies came first? We don't know. It could have been like, we don't know how long fairies have been around. They could have, they could have inspired the butterflies. When the first baby laughed for the first time, the laugh broke into a thousand pieces and all went skipping about. And that was the beginning of fairy. Have you ever seen Hook? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I was surprised that they weren't that much more surprised about the whole fairy thing. Like, they took it relatively in stride. Like, he freaks out when he first sees them, but after yeah. about five minutes, they're just kind of like, oh yeah, fairies. Don't you see fairies when you drink milk? No, I don't. <laughs> uh, I did like Kendra's, the thing about the milk, she was like, maybe the milk made us hallucinate. Maybe they were holograms. Maybe you just keep telling us whatever you think we'll believe. It's like, she is a reasonable skeptic. I appreciate that. Like, I'm willing to be proved wrong, but you gotta prove me wrong first. Yeah. It's mentioned that there are other refuges that other than Fablehaven, and I would want to know 
what they are called because it seems like they cornered the market on actual good names with Fablehaven. Like, what would the other one be? Like, Fairy, fairy Hostel. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just that horrible movie, Hostel. But with fairies. It's just on a really small scale. Yeah. <laughs> like, they can barely lift any of the syringes. <laughs> Go ahead and make that movie, Eli Roth. I'll see it. I like that there's no real morality to any of the creatures. They mention that there's no such thing as really a good. Yeah. There's not blatantly evil. Right. But that's really as good as it gets. Everyone has a good, healthy dose of dick. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like... Should I not... D-I-C-K. No, I I mean, I think everybody should get a good, healthy dose of that. Know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) What? We, We, like, mimed high fives. We keep doing, like, things that no one can see. Yep, this, this is a... This is a uh, non-visual medium? Non-visual medium. I was trying to think of the other word. Aud- aud- Audible. Audible. This podcast is not sponsored by Audible.com. It is not. Not yet. I would like, uh, I feel like some would money, be, please. I feel like that would be tailor-made for this, though, because we do, like, read books. Yeah. Except we read them. Oh. We'd probably get through a lot more if we listened to them. Then we could do this more often. Hey, Audible! <laughs> I'm looking. We uh, haven't passed. We we're looking listen. right at you through the microphone because that is That's still not a camera. Works. <laughs> <laughs> we have no concept of technology. <laughs> Give us money. <laughs> I feel like this is going to be like we're going to put the podcast out because we don't know how to do it properly. It's going to be like Creed's blog, which is just a word document that's <laughs> like thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> backslash dot gov and then our Ryan is like I've listened to it it's pretty disturbing <laughs> that was an office reference for those of you who don't get that are we done with chapter 5? Yeah. okay so let's move on to chapter 6 Maddox so the next day Kendra right, wakes was, up that was hmm? Mad Docs like like he's got like so many peers you know like out in the water he's got Mad Docs the next day Kendra wakes up before Seth eats <gasps> breakfast with Lena Lena reveals that she was once a naiad on the property and married the groundskeeper who built the boathouse in the park. Uh, she chose mortality and has been slowly aging. And I think I marked a quote from her. Kendra asked, what was it like being a naiad? And she's like, hard to say. I asked myself the same question. It, was just, it wasn't just my body that became mortal. My mind transformed as well. I think I prefer this life, but it might be because I have changed fundamentally. Mortality is a totally different state of being. You become more aware of time. I was absolutely content as a naiad. Yeah, the fact that you fairies and all of them aren't, they're not just people that are smaller or look a little different or something. There's a fundamental difference in their mental physiology Mm -hmm. that makes them not understand. Like you can't, one side can never really understand what it means to be the other. No, that makes sense though. After that, uh, later, Kendra catches Seth trying to sneak off to the woods because he's a dipshit. Uh, then at dinner, Grandpa's friend Maddox joins them. He buys and trades fairies for a living, and Seth asks if he's looking for an apprentice, because of course he did. Uh, Maddox warns of the Evening Star, which is a dark magic group that's building up power again. Uh, after they eat, Maddox displays the fairies, and there's a wide variety of them that are awe-inspiring. Kendra asks how they can be sure the fairies won't fly away if Grandpa buys them. And Maddox explains that fairies aren't migratory, and they'll stay put anywhere if the food's plentiful. So they kind of sound like me. (laughs) The kids are ushered off to bed so the men can negotiate. I don't know how I feel about Maddox. Maddox. 
you need to see the docs first to determine if they're mad or not. Exactly. You're like, quit tell, show me, don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess it's just like that. We've kind of esta- we get established later that these are like sentient beings, and he's trading in them. So yeah. it's a bit like slave trading. And, and the fact that it's also mentioned that it's he isn't just trading between the uh the sanctuaries. He's also trading to like private collectors. Which yeah. is a whole thing that I'm like, I'm not sure how I feel about that. And aren't they supposed, not supposed to know where all these preserves are? So I'm guessing this guy does, since he sells all these fairies to them. So I'm just like, well, hold on. I'm guessing that he doesn't know all of the sanctuaries and doesn't trade with all that. I'm guessing there's more than one Wouldn't like, it be trapper. in his best business interest, though, to know where that is? And wouldn't that be a pretty important person to have in the Society of the Evening Star? Yeah, I I'm did, I did actually write, um, is he the villain? He's not in this book. No. But anything could happen. There's five books. When Lena is talking about falling in love with the guy. Patton? Yeah. She's like, Patton always liked my eyes. He said he was of the Asian persuasion. I just wrote. No. Oh, boy. Yeah. I was oh, like, boy. Is that what that means? The Asian persuasion? Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge thing. White guys and Asian girls. No, 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 no. I just, I've never, like, I've heard that, like, they're of the Asian persuasion. I thought that just meant they were Asian. That actually describes your gross, creepy, like, fetish. I don't know. I'm 12. Explain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're... I just didn't know that's no, what no, no. that term was for. Okay, we're going to save that for our other podcast. Hello, fetish kids. <laughs> I think we'd get arrested for that. <laughs> <laughs> I liked uh, that they point blank asked, is Grandma Sorensen dead? Right, yeah. And is she the witch? He does this a lot where he's like, where would somebody reasonably we, go in their assumptions? Yes. Let's actually talk about that. Right. Rather than, like, the weird assumptions they make in other books, you're like, why would you ever think yeah. that? They they go through all of the reasonable options, yeah. and then whatever they arrive at, like, it feels credible that they got there because they already ran through the normal stuff that you yeah. expect. I like the fact that there are two sanctuaries in Antarctica. Yeah. And they're probably just occupied by penguins, like magic penguins. Yeah, that's why they weren't in the chalk drawing. <laughs> uh, when he first mentions uh, Evening Star, I wrote book two, because book two is called Rise of the Evening Star. Ah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I just see Fablehaven book two. What's, uh, you have ads on the back. Can you oh, read yeah. book, can you read book three? Grip of the Shadow Plague, which okay. I read as Grip of the Shadow Police. I'm like, we're the Shadow Police. The I'm Shadow in. Police come to it's me in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's too old of a joke for us. <laughs> when they mentioned demons, I wrote book five, because book five is Keys to the Demon Prison. Oh. And the fourth one's... It's called Keys to the Demon Prison? Yeah. I don't think I like that title. Fourth one is Secrets of the Dragon Sanctuary. Have you seen it come into the school library? You know how they have, like, the Percy Jackson tie-in books, or, like, the Fantastic Beasts and all that? Do you know if there's one for this? Because I feel like there should be something that, like, shows there all the There isn't. I haven't seen it. Okay. But um, maybe it, there will someday, because, I mean, if Spiderwick has a bunch of tie-in books, too. And no one cares about that. Sorry, Spiderwick author. I really like Spiderwick. I've never... I have no pony in this race, but I do not care. I don't care about my lack of pony. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I like cats. I also like that it ends with, no matter what you might think you hear, we aren't having fun. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Because <laughs> it's going to get real rowdy. It's getting hot in here. It's <laughs> Let's get a Seder in here. <laughs> oh, I got some stuff to say about that. 
Chapter 7. Okay. Chapter 7, Prisoner in a Jar, which sounds like a song by Alice in Chains. <laughs> so, the next morning the house is trashed and the kitchen is full of hoof prints. The kids WTF about this until Lena comes in and explains that Grandpa had satyrs over the night before. Uh, Grandpa's crashed down on the couch with a letter nearby, so Kendra reads it because she's nosy. And she actually considers making Seth read it so she can fool herself into thinking she's the good one. Uh, the letter is from S, who warns about the Evening Star's activities and then cryptically refers to a resolution to the situation with Ruth. Grandma's name is Ruth. Dun, dun, dun. Anyway, the kids are kicked out to swim, and Lena can clean and leave the worst stuff for the brownies to clean. Brownies are like little fairy people who like cleaning things and don't take any payment. It's not like she does. It's not like she has to put a bunch of baking down and go clean this house. And they're like, she's nuts. If she thinks the brownies are gonna do it. <laughs> she's just <laughs> they come in and the, you're like, what are you doing? And she's like, the brownies are cleaning the house. She's just scrubbing the counter with bacon. <laughs> Look at them go! Look at it shine! <laughs> like that's bacon grease. <laughs> Careful, it's slippery with soap. So, um, Steph, Steph, Seth steals a jar of preserves from the pantry, empties it out, and then catches a fairy in it. Which is a huge waste of preserves and made me hate him more. Anyway, yeah, he catches the fairy in it and then he stashes it in his room and the fairy cries. Wow, a male ignoring a woman's bodily autonomy because it goes against his own needs. That never happens. And then uh, Kendra interrogates Lena about Fablehaven, wanting to know everything. And Lena says they'll know more as time goes by, thereby avoiding a big boring info dump, but frees up these dumbass kids to make more poor decisions. Thanks, Lena. <laughs> and then uh, before bed... Grandpa blows bubbles, and the fairies do cool things like change their colors or turn them to fire and ice. And it should be enchanting and fun, but I hate our protagonist too much to enjoy it. I was really angry about this fairy thing. So all of the fairies that we see in this are... Pretty as Well, as far as we understand their biology, they're all female. Mm-hmm. But do fairies have genders, or do they just... They just appear as how we would consider a female to look? I don't know. Is that something that they cover more in later books? I don't know. How do they make fairies? Other than the baby laughing and then the laugh going into a thousand pieces. I'm guessing that that's not quite how it happened in this. But I don't know. Do they come in eggs? Or do they, they come out of cocoons? 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 <laughs> I told you the fairies came out of cocoons. Well, the whole point is, he sees she's upset by it and keeps her in there anyway. And I was like, guess what? I hate you even more now. I'm not the only... Hey, me just saying that I hate this kid, they reacted worse, as we'll find out in the next chapter. So yes. Don't even, don't even look at me disapprovingly that, oh no, I hate a fictional child. We get the uh, foreshadowing to Midsummer Eve, which is going to be cray. Oh, don't even get me started. I really liked the bubble scene. I thought that was super fun. I feel like I'd like it more if I went back and read it without feeling raged. Yeah, it's just, it's pleasant. I like yeah. the idea of, like, just playing with, like, a little bubble blower, and then they're making everything, like, all pretty and fun. Let's make this one turn into a chain of dandelions and, like, stuff like that. And you're like, this is so whimsical, but I'm really hating this kid right now, so I can't enjoy this. I do think it's pretty creepy that it's, like, a... She was so pretty, that fiery red hair against her creamy skin. The perfect pet. It puts the lotion on its skin or it gets the hose again. That's what we know Seth's doing in the future. <laughs> He's Buffalo Bill. I only know this because my mom likes it and I hide when she watches it. And yeah. She doesn't know I'm there. Yeah. Okay. Hey, what was your first PG-13 movie? 
I don't know. Mine was Jurassic Park 3. I saw it at my grandparents' house, and my grandpa was just like, don't tell your parents. <laughs> I don't know. I've watched so much age-inappropriate stuff. I had this terrible babysitter. I mean, I saw RoboCop when I was four. Could so that's where I'm coming RoboCop? from. It was violent. Yeah, well, you're kind of violent now. I am? Does that mean I can start hitting you to justify it? And I'll be like, I saw RoboCop when I was <laughs> Just with each one. <laughs> I saw RoboCop! I can't stop this! What was your first rated R movie? RoboCop. <laughs> oh, no. What do you mean my first... What, what do you mean? There uh, was no mine was Rain Man. And then my first in theaters was Zombieland. Oh, my first R-rated movie in the theater was... Uh, I think it was There's Something About Mary. My mom took me to see it. What was there about Mary? She accidentally put spooge in her hair and it like stands up. Wait, like, <laughs> like, cause like she's gonna go on a date with Ben Stiller, and Ben Stiller, like his friend, told him you gotta masturbate before a date, otherwise you're gonna be all wound up with like sexual energy. So he does, and he's like, oh good, and then he's done. He's like, where's the stuff? He can't find his mess anywhere. And then he goes and gets the door, and Cameron Diaz is there, who's Mary, and she's all like, hey, you ready to go? And he's like, yeah, and he turns his head, and she goes like, what's that on your ear? Is that hair gel? And he realizes what it is. And she's like, oh, good, I just ran out. And she grabs it. He's like, no, 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 no. So she takes it. And she goes like this. She like goes like this with her hair. And that's why her hair is like up. Big part of the movie because she has his ejaculate in her hair. So her hair is erect. Yeah. Oh. I don't want to know what there is about Mary anymore. I told you her hair was going to stick up from the splooge. What does this have to do with Fablehaven? Can we move on? Chapter 8, Retaliation. All right. Seth wakes up in the morning and he checks the fairy jar first thing. Inside is a tarantula and Seth realizes he hasn't had his milk yet. So, uh, but he kind of has a bad feeling because the fairies are usually something like cute and tarantula is not cute. I mean, to like most people. I know people right now who are probably like, they're very cute. Anyway, so he runs downstairs and he comes back with a mug of hot chocolate. But even after drinking it, he doesn't see a fairy. He sees this hideous little creature. And he thinks maybe some milk will help it. But when he offers the creature some, it takes a swipe at his hand and runs away, escaping down a drain. Uh, Seth knows he's effed up and he feels bad all day. He's hanging out in the treehouse when a huge swarm of fairies show up and they start chanting and knock the treehouse to the ground with their magic. Somehow he's not badly injured by this. And he runs screaming to Kendra at the pool. She hilariously tells him to jump into the water because apparently she thinks fairies are like bees. <laughs> <laughs> To the surprise of no one, this does nothing, and the fairies keep cursing Seth until he's a lumpy, weird, walrusy mess. Grandpa finally comes out to the investigate all the shrieking, even though this has been going on for some time. A fairy angrily explains what happened, and Grandpa tries to defend Seth, but they aren't interested. Turns out if you keep a fairy indoors from sundown to sun up, it turns into an imp. Oopsie poopsie. So... <laughs> So they flop Seth's ridiculous ass into a wheelbarrow and take him to the only magical person in the vicinity, Muriel Taggart, the witch. Muriel isn't in a big hurry to help sassy Seth, but is willing to change him back if one of her knots is loosened. Blow so, my rope! Blow, blow my rope! <laughs> <laughs> Grandpa reluctantly agrees, and she's now down to one knot. Apparently she started with 13, but loses them when someone needs a favor. Kind of like prisoners getting early release for good behavior. So Seth has changed back and claims to have learned his lesson about having empathy for other beings and not screwing around with the creatures of Fablehaven, but I'm skeptical. There's 200 more pages of this book left, and besides, one of the mo first things out of his mouth is to request a ride home in the wheelbarrow. Same old shitty Seth. <laughs> <laughs> 
You all right there? <laughs> I'm a little wheezy today. Like the, uh, the penguin in Toy Story 2? You made that reference like twice today now. Uh-huh. They didn't hear the first one. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be. Not everything has to do with that, sir. Sometimes I just live my damn life that has nothing to do with you. <laughs> but you're a woman, so I thought everything had to be some sort of, like, mating ritual. You know what? Me and all my cat friends are going to chant, knock you out of a treehouse. How about that? <laughs> And Ryan looks like to jump in the pool. <laughs> uh, when it's mentioned that if a captured fairy is kept indoors from sunset to sunrise, it changes into an imp, I wrote, Maddox must have taken his friend, his finds outside at some point. And then they it says, that, yeah. it says like two paragraphs later, what about the fairies Maddox caught? Why don't they change? He avoids leaving the cages indoors overnight. And I wrote, oh, hey. The rope knot thing is a pretty interesting system. I think that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Should be like, change our whole system to being like a rope system yeah yeah no more of this like like uh fines and sentences and should just be rope knots <laughs> what happened dude i got sentenced to four knots for possession uh if you like fix my car i'll blow on one for you <laughs> <laughs> gosh and then everything's just blowjobs so he wouldn't like ejaculate you brought it up. I'm pretty sure I didn't. Yeah, because I said, what was there about Mary? Because I don't know the story of the... Well, then I told you about that story. It's just the most, like, iconic thing of the movie is, I... like, her standing there with her hair I'm all sticking straight up. So am I, dickhead. <laughs> um, I really like when they are like, oh, man, we're not going to do the, the thing with Muriel. And she's like, very well. Spurn my hospitality. Kendra, nice to meet you. May you find less happiness than you deserve. Dale, you are as mute as your brother and nearly as pale. Seth, please have another mishap soon. Stan, you lack the wit of an orangutan. Bless your soul. Do not be strangers. Mic drop. <laughs> also, I just realized the tie-in between that and the uh, last couple chapters of the orangutan. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, because I was always like, what? why does that have to do with anything? I'm like, that's kind of random, but okay. Sure, Muriel. That's clever. That's clever. Good job, Mr. Mull. <laughs> yes. Chapter 9, Hugo. All right, here we go. In this chapter, Grandpa, what? We're going to meet my favorite character. Okay. Hugo's my favorite character. <laughs> oh, okay. My favorite character is one of the Satters, but we'll get there. In this chapter, Grandpa sat the kids down and told them Midsummer Eve is coming up when all the dark, wild things swarm the house. The, the kids will be kept in the attic, in bed with earplugs, no looking out windows. I'm not sure why he bothered. These kids have proven they're untrustworthy. Uh, to prove my bitchy point, Seth later harasses Dale to tell him what's out there and will not let it drop. Even though Dale is clearly haunted by what he's seen. To placate Seth, he's shown Hugo, the golem, who does all the big chores on the grounds. Uh, he follows every order from Grandpa Dale and Lena. Of course, Seth wants to give an order, so Dale sets it up and Seth has Hugo do a cartwheel. Thrilling stuff. Kendra and Lena are carving pumpkins to make fairy lanterns, which offer protection from dark forces. They're all taking extra precautions for Midsummer Eve, but it's doubtful that many fairies are going to show up since Seth's big stupid mistake. <laughs> Kendra expresses fear and says she won't peek at anything, and Lena says she wishes Seth had that level of common sense. And then Kendra says the funniest thing ever. After all that's happened, I'm sure he'll behave tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no. Of course he won't! Either drug his stupid dinner so he sleeps all night, or send the kids and Dale to a hotel for the night. This isn't ending well. Anyway, then Dale and Seth show up with Hugo to lug away the pumpkins, and Seth whines about wanting to make Hugo do more tricks. Yeah, he's learned a lot about respect towards magic, clearly. Everyone's dying tonight. 
Can I just say that it bugs me that there's an illustration at the top of every chapter, but it's just the same illustration. Well, I mean, you don't want to forget what the house looks like, do you? But I was hoping it'd be something where, like, the house changes, like, like after after the next couple of chapters, it looks a bit more run down. Yeah. And then it... <laughs> the torch pulled off. There's just, <laughs> there's just an arrow sitting in the... <laughs> anyway, do you have your... Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what I was referencing here when I wrote this. <laughs> oh. I was drinking when I wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> when Lena's talking about aging and she's just talking about how your body starts to, like, like crumble and there's nothing you can do, I was like, this book can be really depressing. Like, it starts off with just everybody being dead, and then it's talking about, like, the issues of mortality and mm-hmm. stuff, and I was just like, okay. Like the owl falling down And the then Ken- Kendra is like, oh, yeah, from... <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Anyway, Kendra. Kendra's like, part of me wonders if high school ever really happens. Sometimes I think maybe I'll die young, and I'm like, what the heck? Well, if she does, bury her in satin. If you adhere to my rules, you'll have nothing to worry about. Yeah, about that. <laughs> See, we both were skeptical. Otherwise, this would be a short book. The kids who did everything they're supposed to. But when he's taking them to Hugo, he's like, the surprise is on the far side. Are you sure? Positive. Better not be another fairy. What's the matter with fairies? I've seen about a million of them, and also they turned me into a walrus. Like they did it for no reason. So here's why I like Hugo. I have a fondness for the Hodor-esque characters that are big, dumb, and just, like, you just care about him because, like, they don't know any better. They don't know how to be bad. This guy actually doesn't think. But I liked, I really like when he's like, do a cartwheel. And then he just goes, mm-hmm. I'm like, don't know what you mean. <laughs> uh, the cart's got wheels. Do, do, that... do you want to do a cartwheel? <laughs> Why does he sound like this? <laughs> <laughs> he's like Colossus from the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> or I let him sound like the rock guy from Redbox Thor, like, what's up, man? He's Hugo. Nice to you. You're not Dale. You're Dale, you're not Dale. <laughs> <laughs> this is my friend Nick. And I like Hugo. that his cartwheel is crap because it copies. Yeah, he literally does what the kid did. Yeah. And his body's not made the same way. <laughs> so Dale's like, yeah, okay. Uh, and like, and cor- corrects him for how to do it, and then he does. And Seth's like, sweet! Oh, is and, that the signal for I mean, next chapter? Well, there's not a whole lot that happens that that's really <laughs> okay. worth delving into. Okay, here we go. Strap in. It's Midsummer Eve, folks. Oh! <laughs> so it's Midsummer Eve. Everyone's together when twilight falls, and the adults are really spooked. Lena says she sees them coming out of the forest, and she closes the blinds. Grandpa takes the kids up to the attic and gives them their earplugs. He explains that he's letting them stay to test their metal and hopes they'll inherit Fablehaven. For now, they have to stay in bed since the beds are protected by circles of salt, which reminded me of Hocus Pocus. <laughs> have you seen Hocus Pocus? Is that the one with the three witches? Yes. It's been a very long time. About the last time I saw Halloween can Town. We, can we do this like podcast with someone who will get my references? Because this is bumming me out. Same. Fine, let's break up. I hate you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm going to insert the ending music right there. <laughs> Just kidding! And you just hear like a door slam. (laughs) In like my cry voice. And then he fucking says same! (laughs) 85? What? We were at 84 at lunch. I was born in 1985, so I'm like, what are you saying? Or I was born in 2005. I can't math. How old do you have to be? You have Lyme disease! (laughs) I have Lyme disease! I'm bad at math! (laughs) Okay. 
Hocus Pocus reference, it fell flat. He reiterates that they not look out the window and they keep the door shut, even if they hear the adults calling for them. He can't stay in the room because it's warded to protect children and adult presence interferes with that protection. I don't understand that, but okay. What if the adult's in there and hurting them? They're not protected? <laughs> no, because the, the protection is... it. It's a one-to-one system for protection. It's like, it's it's magic for magic, it's physical violence for physical violence, the same way the retaliation worked with the fairies. Mm. So they wouldn't be protected against, like, parental abuse anyways, because that's not part of the system. Okay. Well, I feel like that should be. Uh, so the next chapter has Grampasaurus and just... We can cut that. Let's cut that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyway, so after all that cheerful stuff, he leaves and the kids lay awake listening to all the creepy sounds. Uh, Seth has been reasonable for six pages now, so he has to finally crack and he starts tormenting Kendra and insists that he look out the window. And he finally does. The fairies and the jack-o'-lantern out their window see him and they peace out. Then the fun truly starts. They hear a baby crying, and obviously it's a trick, but the kids somehow convince themselves that somehow these creatures, who are literally confined to these grounds, somehow got hold of a baby, and Seth opens the window. (laughs) The only people surprised are Seth and Kendra, when the baby and the wolves chasing it on the roof all turn out to be goblins. What? Maybe they just have, like, a little shack that they keep extra babies in. Baby shack! (laughs) (laughs) Hurry up and get your baby money. (laughs) Okay. All right. So Seth gets the window shut just as the most frightening woman I've ever imagined in my head shows up and terrifies Kendra. She's a rabbit in the headlights. So Seth has to holler to the bed for their salt protection. No, that woman with like the the scary. No, I was just like, "Mm -mm, this actually scared me. Yeah. (laughs) As an adult. It, this is kind of a creepy chapter. Mm-hmm. He does a pretty good job with it. Yeah. Uh, the go- the goblins start tearing the room up, and one of them throws Goldilocks the chicken's cage, and Seth finally does something dumb that I approve of, and he leaves the bed throwing handfuls of salt at the evil creatures in order to save Goldilocks. Fair. Uh, Dale comes in with a shotgun and drives the creatures out, ordering them to shut the door. They do, and they huddle in bed all night, ignoring the voices at the door, pretending to be the adults. Finally, morning comes... Seth's way too glib, so Kendra points out that everyone's probably dead. Seth cries. Kendra says if they're dead, it's not his fault. I 100% disagree with her. The chapter ends with them deciding to go downstairs and check the damage. I do like the picture of them just huddling in bed with a chicken. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> there they are. Oh, those poor kids. The creepy centipede thing. Not a fan. You don't, you don't like the lady. I don't like the centipede. I don't like things with more than a handful of legs, especially with, like, carapaces. Oh, where's the... Okay, yeah, I have a description of the lady. Uh, okay, a coldly beautiful woman, swathed in writhing black garments. The apparition's dark hair undulated like vapor in a breeze. Her pallid face was slightly translucent. Gazing into those empty, searing eyes froze Kendra where she stood. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So, the grandpa is totally like Willy Wonka, right? He's just putting them through the paces to figure out if they're actually going to be capable of taking over for this place. Without even asking them if they want to. I feel like Seth's fallen in the chocolate river and he's like turned into the blueberry and he's like falling down the chute with the rotten eggs. (laughs) But he keeps coming back. (laughs) And then when he's like, all right, guys, you know, go to bed. Be safe. Be well. Yeah, Seth. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's okay, Grandpa, Seth said. I'll keep an eye on her. Keep the other on yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Get wrecked, Seth. (laughs) 
totally gonna be in Grandpa Sorensen's vocabulary. Also, Seth pretending to choke her while th- who knows what manner of evil creatures could be, like, like... Yeah. Come on, time yeah. and place. Yeah. <laughs> choke, choke your sister, sister. some other night. <laughs> in the McDonald's parking lot is the only place. <laughs> Kids, what did I say about choking at Wendy's? You said Molly McDonald's. Okay, sorry. My bad. I wrote, good job, Seth, when he looks out the window and all the fairies fly away, because I I knew exactly why. Yeah. Um, (laughs) They're like, I hate this guy. And then the one-sentence paragraph Seth threw open the window, oh my god, Seth, why? (laughs) (laughs) I got, got, like, re-angry reading the the synopsis. Because, like I said, it doesn't make any sense if the baby's there. Where would they have gotten it? Yeah. You know what I liked? When you saved Goldilocks. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, save the chicken. Also, I did write that was actually fairly creepy. Break rules if you feel like it'll serve the greater good, rather than breaking rules because they're there. Yeah. Which is all he does. Yeah. You're about to start chapter 11, and I have a note like before it starts that says, what if it's a trick and it's not actually morning? Like, once it's established that this could be... Couldn't they fake sunlight? Yeah, like that was what creeped me out the most, is once they've established that there is something that can alter your reality you don't know when that ends yeah yeah i wondered that too what if book five ends and it's actually the morning after midsummer's eve you're a horrible person (laughs) (laughs) chapter 11 yeah just go for it all right chapter 11 aftermath the kids go downstairs and everything's a shambles there's furniture broken claw marks everywhere no sign of people They go outside and they find Dale has been turned into a metal statue. While looking around, Seth finds a large footprint that looks like it belongs to a bird. They decide to follow the tracks and hope they lead to Grandpa and or Lena. After drinking their milk and grabbing some salt for protection, they set off into the woods. The tracks stop after a while and they go up a hill to get the lay of the land. At the top, they find a well full of stew and after initial hesitation, they eat some. I think, doesn't she make Seth eat it first? (laughs) As always. (laughs) <laughs> suddenly a satyr leaps out and runs at them Seth throws a fistful of salt at it the satyr is just like WTF and yells at them for ruining his operation <laughs> well just think about that if you came at someone they're like eh, salt, you'd be like what what's your problem I was assaulted they would so make that joke these satyrs uh, turns out the hill is actually an ogress's house and the well is actually a chimney and out comes the ogress to see what the hubbub is oopsie poopsie the ogress chases them. Do you write oopsie poopsie in this every time you actually say it? Yeah. <laughs> the ogress chases them for an absurd length of time, considering she's described as obese and clearly struggling as she runs. They finally lose her in a cave where she falls over barfing. She literally falls over barfing. <laughs> Which I'd totally do if I had to run a distance. <laughs> they, they all end up at a pond in a clearing where another satyr is where another satyr is, and he immediately gives the kids shit for ruining their operation, as stealing the ogress's stew for themselves. Apologies are made all around, and the satyrs are introduced as Doran and Newell. They remind me of the dudes in the road to El Dorado. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they? <laughs> they ask the kids for sea batteries for their portable TV, but... <laughs> but... <laughs> portable TV but requests that they keep it on the D-Lo from their grandpa. The kids seize on that and ask about their grandpa but the Satters haven't seen him in a week. 
When the kids ask for help finding him, they get all cagey and have the funniest exchange I've read in this whole book. Can we, like, go back go and for it. Satters? Go for it. Okay. Uh, Seth was like, could you help us find him? Yeah, ouch. This is a bad week for us. Lots of commitments. You know, now that I've thought on it, we may have needed a new rigging on the chimney anyhow. How about we go our separate ways and call it even? Don't take anything we said to heart. We're just being satirical. Seth stepped forward. Do you know anything you aren't telling us? It isn't that. It's just Midsummer Day. We're booked. I just really liked them. <laughs> they were my favorite characters. Okay, they direct the kids to the trail and they skedaddle. So, they see like the footprint of some sort of big bird or yeah, something? Yeah, That never comes back. No, we never find out what it was. But it doesn't come back, not in the sense that it, he just like gives up on that plot point, but they mention that that may not have had anything to do with it. Like it's Yeah, probably not, but there's some big bird out there. Yeah, which... I want to know what the big bird is. <laughs> Can you tell me how to get how to get to Fablehaven? <laughs> yeah, I wrote that uh, Seth is a regular old tracker when he's trying to follow those because he actually is pretty good about yeah, that. Yeah, he was. Like, it's not that he's like not good at things. Like, no, he's good at things. He he's just... a smart, capable kid, but he also gets in his own way. Yeah. Which I'm sure that's what all his report cards would say. Like, Seth is a very bright student, but he doesn't apply himself, you know? <laughs> yeah. I yeah, never got anything like But he, that. like, he keeps track of, like, the direction that they've been going. Yeah. And all of that. No, yeah. he's very, he's very smart in that way. In that way, I say. <laughs> you thought a chimney was a well? It had a bucket, and it was in the ground. They have a point. They have a point. <laughs> I was just picturing the Road to El Dorado characters like the whole time, just as them as the Satters. This is not Mr. Tumness up in yeah. here. The friggin' size C batteries just, I lost it at that. Because <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is a joke, right? Like they're just going to like have pick I some sort of like human thing. What's and a then size C battery look like? It's the squarish one that you, oh. you use for like your fire or, or smoke alarm thing. Oh, right, okay. See, I just so seldomly see one. Yeah. See. <laughs> I'm going to be that lady and fall over barfing. <laughs> Mara made a dumb joke, and then she fell over barfing. Barkfing. 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 Good delivery. <laughs> okay, uh, chapter 12, Inside the Barn. Uh, the kids head back to the house and hear a loud groaning. I totally called what this was going to be, by the way. Um, they realize that it's coming from the barn, which they'd completely forgotten about for some reason. All the doors are locked, so Seth finds a small door he kicks open. They go in, they find a giant cow whose udders are swollen AF. This is actually really awful, and I love that Kendra for insisting they milk the poor thing. Um, it turns out to be quite the ordeal, climbing a ladder, leaping onto an udder while hugging it and falling to the ground. At the end, the cow's fine, and Kendra hoses all the milk down the drain. Kendra says, holy cow, by the way. When she first sees it. I was yeah. like, thank you. I like that they did this. Mm -hmm. But I don't like the descriptors in it. It made me really uncomfortable. Everything was like... Teat? Well, I mean, I'm fine with like... Teats? I'm fine with boobs. Okay, I'm fine with boobs on all animals. It's the uses of words like engorged and fleshy and swollen and... I, it just made me really uncomfortable. And I wondered if uh, there was going to be some problems with, like, the milk runoff in the sewers, if that was going to affect anything. It doesn't, but... Yeah. But this, that's actually a good thing, is that the book makes me... Because it addresses so many different possibilities so clearly, 
anytime something isn't addressed, I'm like, oh man, I'm thinking about this now. He yeah. does a really good job of that. That's about it for, for that. That's just a yeah, short... Yeah, it was a pretty short one. Yeah, I only filled up... I didn't even fill up a page. I mean, it's only this. like 11 pages, yeah. All right, chapter 13, an unexpected message. The kids go home and eat dinner despite the mess and smash stuff. There's enough food to last uh, weeks. After that, they're exhausted and they go up to bed. Don't blame them. Before they can sleep, though, they find Goldilocks the chicken and she spilled out I am Graham with her feed kernels. <laughs> uh, after interrogation with the chicken nodding or shaking her head and they ascertain that she is their grandmother and Grandpa tried but failed to lift the enchantment. Kendra and Seth try to figure out what to do and Grandma stops responding to the questions. They figure they need to bite the bullet and go to Muriel Taggart. In the morning, the kids dump a bunch of stuff to barter with Muriel into a wheelbarrow along with their grandma, and they head off into the woods. I just like the... They also describe that the chicken's stuffed in a bag and just the head popped up. <laughs> that was funny. Anyway, they find Muriel in a fine mood since she knows all about Grandpa's disappearance. When she's offered clothes, food, and other comfort, she says she can only trade for a knot loosening. Apparently, the knots affect how much magic she can use. She can either restore Grandma or find Grandpa. She can't do both. I smell BS, but whatever. <laughs> the kids decide to transform Grandma after conferring with the chicken. They do the magic to free Muriel, blowing on the knot, and Muriel changes Grandma back into a human. Uh, Kendra quickly dresses Grandma in a robe, and Grandma's pissed. She didn't realize that Muriel, Muriel was down to one knot. She orders Muriel off the preserve, but Muriel's like, bitches say what, and cruises off to do her own thing. Uh, the kids fill Grandma in on what's been going on. They plan their next move, go to Nero, the cliff troll, to help them find Grandpa. This is actually from the very end of the last chapter, but I just wanted to highlight uh, sure. when they're uh, they're all covered in milk, and they're like, we should get new shirts. And it's like, I think I have a pink shirt that you can borrow. Uh, and it has to be green. Seth is like, this will work fine once it dries off. And she's like, the pink one will hide you just as well as the camouflage. And he's like, are all girls as brainless as you? You're telling me a green shirt will make you invisible to monsters? No, less visible, less is the point, less than your blue one. I guess I should find a green one too. Just everything just boils down to green shirts with Seth. Like he just has a weird like. It has to be yeah, green. Can't be a green shirt. I liked when they were talking to Graham as the chicken. They got confirmation. They were like, say it was yes again. Now say no. So like, that give we... me a no. So, so that's just like, she just keeps nodding. <laughs> She's just going to nod to everything. Like, Thank heavens. Yeah, that was pretty cool. But they couldn't get that confirmation the second time. Like, is this okay? And she yeah. like bobs her head. Like, are you sure, Bob? Can you give us a, a shake? And she couldn't. And they're like, well, we're here. What do we do? Yeah. There's this whole thing about like when Grandma and Muriel are like arguing about claims of ownership of uh -huh. the sanctuary i wonder if that's gonna come back at all oh i like, bet like are they actually like is there something about like it has to be passed on in a specific way and they just like adopted it or something and therefore there's some issue with like the magical protection or something again unlike another book that we read i really feel like he thought about a bunch of this and it's like i'm i will address this later yeah. i have a plan for it put a pin in it <laughs> we'll come back to this that and big bird the whole not thing. Did, did you ever watch or read Dragon Ball Z or anything? No. Okay. I never watched it, but I did read some of it. And the whole, like, not thing relating to, like, her strength. Uh, there's a big thing in Dragon Ball where there's all, like, these power levels and everybody gets stronger and stronger because apparently a fight is not interesting unless somebody has, like, a super move and then a super special move. And then 
And there, there's a big thing where, like, Goku trains with these weights on and they releases the weights and they, like, crash into the ground because they were so heavy and that makes them so much more faster without them. And that's kind of what the whole thing is, like, the, the magic power is tied to, tied to, the knot. And it's like, releasing this will release more of my strength and get me to ultra-level magic! It's like, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> we have like six chapters left. I'm losing yeah, it. Come on, we we can get through this. Trolling for Grandpa. Trolling for Grandpa. As they walk to Nero's, Grandma explains that having a chicken brain made it difficult to concentrate. Go fig on anything, and that Seth letting the monsters into the house snapped her back to reality so she could well, leave the message. There goes gravity. There goes gravity. Oh, <laughs> mom's spaghetti. I don't know. I don't know all of it. <laughs> They reasonably ask how she even became a chicken in the first place, and she dodges the question. Hmm. They reach Nero's cave, which is up a ravine with logs jammed into the wall. I think that was my understanding of it. Whenever someone, like, spends time describing something, I'm like, my brain's not absorbing that. I don't know what you're talking about. So that's <laughs> basically my understanding. And they call up to Nero, and Nero says one of them has to climb the logs first, and then he'll lower the sensible rope ladder. Because they're just like, get the ladder. And he's like, nope. Logs are nothing. <laughs> like, no. He's like, okay, what do you use? Climb the logs, and then I'll send down the rope. He was just really proud of his logs, and he's yeah. like, someone gotta use my logs, okay? Yeah, I spent a lot of time on this. It's like, so our front, uh, our front walk has just a little bit of a winding pattern to it. No one cares about the wind. They're not gonna, like, weave in and out of it. They're just gonna head straight through and cut through the grass if necessary, but it's like, it's the principle of the thing. You gotta respect the path. I totally actually take the thing. I, like, I'll even go through all the line, the ropes at the movie where the thing, because I'm like, well, it's here. I should probably use it. Well, the person at the, like, the popcorn stand is like, just come up here. <laughs> I'm, pic I'm picturing when uh, Shrek and the guy with the giant Lord Farquaad hat are going through the <laughs> He's just trying to run back through. <laughs> okay, where are we? Ha okay, so, yeah, he, he tells us, so let's go up the logs, and then he'll lower the sensible rope ladder. Uh, Seth volunteers, and Grandma shuts him down, but Seth does his thing anyway. For once, I agree with Seth. Grandma should not be climbing this thing. Because he kind of has to, like, awkwardly, like, leap. Yeah. Like, it just sounded like he's going to fall. Uh, he's almost at the top when he falls. But uh, Nero catches him, and then he lowers the ladder for Grandma and Kendra. Then there's this really exasperating negotiations between Grandma and Nero, where they decide, at finally, that Nero will look into his peeping stone for Grandpa, and Grandma and the kids will give Nero a 90-minute massage. To my immense relief, a happy ending is not part of the deal. <laughs> uh, there's something about Grandma. You jack off the troll. I don't want to. <laughs> Make Seth do it. Oh, oh, no. Anyway, Nero's all happy and relaxed after his massage. <laughs> and Grandma doesn't tell him to drink water after, which is rude. When you have a massage at, like, I don't know the exact... Like, my mom's a massage therapist, but you gotta drink water after you have a massage or you'll get a headache. Hmm. And she didn't tell him to do that, hmm. which is rude. And anyway, he goes and looks into a stone, and it turns out Grandpa's chained up in the basement of the Forgotten Chapel, which I guess isn't good. It sure doesn't sound good. End chapter. 
And I kept writing Forgotten Temple, but then I had flashes to that time of like, here's the next chapter called Escape. And you're like, it's called Leaving or whatever. And I'm like, is it? You're right. <laughs> so I had to double check because I knew you'd be like, it's Chapel, not Temple. Hey. <laughs> Your whole defense is hey. <laughs> <laughs> shut up. Um, shut up. Okay, so the the log thing, it's they're standing logs, and each one's just a th- a log that's three feet taller. And oh, so they're, they're standing. Mm-hmm, they're all like coming out of the ravine. <laughs> I pictured them vertical. <laughs> he just like jams them in. Not even like that. Just like long, like they're just put in like this, like all the way up. Is that how I pictured it? Nope. It's it's like a. He's, it's like a like no. What you actual... said makes way more sense. That see, I can't do descriptions. I get bored. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. Where's just... the next quotation mark? Um, <laughs> right. So Grandpa has been eating Goldilocks's eggs for breakfast. He's been eating her periods. I don't like the implications <laughs> of this. Do you think that she got changed into the chicken because he had some weird sort of like you know what would be real cool if you were. If I could, like... Eat your periods? Yeah. And she's like, I'm old. I don't have them anymore. I can think of a way. Oh. <laughs> and that's why she dodged that question. You don't need to know about that. But the negotiations were ridiculous. I was getting so frustrated. I was like, none of the... You look in the stone for two seconds and figure it out. Why are you trying to get them to be yeah. indentured yeah. servitude for 12 years? That's not proportional. Mixed feelings on it. The fact that Nero was being so obnoxious about it really bugged me. I got what Kendra was doing with the like, yeah, with the, the like, she was, she, what she does yeah. is she, she basically is like, oh, that's such a, like, a, a, a massage is such a huge deal. It's like, I can't believe you would you even. You can't give him the massage. Yeah. He's like, I want the massage. Yeah. Trying to make it sound like it's more glorious. <laughs> Don't tell to... me in that briar patch. Yeah. 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 She was great at that. Yeah. Chapter 15, The Far Side of the Attic. This is written by Pink Floyd. All right. This was the info dump chapter I was dreading. Uh, as grandma and the kids weapon up, uh, cause the far side of the attic is actually a weapons room. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they go in there and they're weaponing up. Grandma explains that the Forgotten Chapel is uh, neutral ground, from what I could gather, and what's left over from um, original buildings on the preserve, a powerful demon named... I don't know how to say this. I'm just going to say Bathmat, because that's what I've been saying in my head. <laughs> <laughs> a powerful demon named Bathmat is kept there. <laughs> and, and Grandma suspects Muriel wants to set him free. She's worried that the preserve might fall, which is bad, especially for Fablehaven, since it's one of uh, five unmarked preserves where a mysterious artifact is kept. Also, she can't just kill Muriel because then the magical treaty won't protect her anymore. Same goes for the kids, Seth. Uh, Grandma also reveals that the cow's name is Viola, and it's usually Hugo, the golem's job to milk her, but he's probably off guarding Gail's brother, Warren, who got all effed up by magic. She intends to call Hugo for backup when she goes to the temple, leaving the kids behind. And they actually make really good arguments for coming along, mainly that they were helpful with the troll and that if they're sent away, the first thing their parents will do is insist on going to the house uh-huh. and checking on yep. the elderly people. Yep. Also, if they're expected to inherit this shit show someday, they're going to need some practical experience. Uh, Grandma's won over and proud of their gumption. To the forgotten chapel! <laughs> Everything I said was written. I was just seeing, well, I was seeing what was scribbled out. Oh, temple to chapel. (laughs) Yep, I did that several times (laughs) because I knew you would notice. (laughs) Okay, anything to add about bath mat? Um, How do you say it? Are we just going to go with bath mat? uh, Bahumat. Bahumat. 
man. <laughs> well, everybody knows about the giant bird. <laughs> <laughs> well, the bird, 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 bird. Um. Oh, haven't you heard? No, we're not gonna do this. Okay, so when they're walking back, Grandma says something about like we let's wait till we get to the attic to talk, because uh, yeah, don't talk out in the open. Yeah, but then she says Muriel may not yet know Grandpa's location, right? And even if she does, I don't want her to learn that we know. And then. I was like, but if she heard that them saying that while they were walking back, then she'd know they know. So she and should... I know that she knows that I know, yes. so why don't you just go to hell? <laughs> I don't know why I turned into, like, a angry drunk person. I've never been drunk. I'm 12. The whole Warren thing is weird because he's not mentioned for the first, like, almost 200 pages, yeah. and then he's never actually seen. Yeah. But he... It's like a snotty reference that Muriel makes. Yeah. But he's kind of really relevant as far as, like, mm-hmm. motivation and stuff. Yeah, poor Warren. I like when they mention that they dumped all the milk down the drain and Grandma says, no matter. And I was like, oh, good. We yeah. don't have to worry about that. But we needed the milk. Oh, no. <laughs> this is not a visual medium. Oh, I liked that Grandma was just like, listen, you messed up and you have to just accept that and deal with the consequences. When she was learning about what happened, like, Midsummer Eve and stuff. Mm-hmm. I like that she was like, no, sweetie, it wasn't your fault. She doesn't do that. She's no. just like, yeah, you messed up. We can stand here and talk about blame, or we can go fix the yeah. problem. Like, who cares who really did it at this point? Yeah. I think I kept saying, like, temple, because I thought of legends of the hidden temple. I highlighted a bunch of stuff, but I mostly was just highlighting stuff because it was, like, plot relevant, I think. Oh, the idea of uh, mortals choosing to break the magical rules, whereas magical creatures don't have the option to, unless it's a retaliation yeah. for somebody else breaking the rules. Yeah. I like how it's setting up the parameters for this universe and building some consistency. Right. Better to set that up now, rather than like retroactively do it and yeah. be like, well, you were confused about this in the first book, so let me let me do it now. That, like, see, there was a plan all along. Yeah. And you're like, no, you're lazy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I don't think Mr. Mull is lazy. I think no. he's... Good planner. Or, like, had really good, reliable people to read his stuff and be like, well, what about... And you're like, okay, I'll go back and fix it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's... You're right. It is very much the info dump. Are we ready to go to the Forgotten Chapel? Yes. Okay, chapter 16, the Forgotten Chapel. Not a temple. Uh, they all head to the chapel in a rickshaw pulled by Hugo, which I kind of loved. Um, Grandma and Seth each have a sack of magical powder, and Grandma has a crossbow. Kendra has nothing because she hasn't caused any trouble and she's still protected by the treaty. There you go. I really liked that because I was like, you're right. Not only has she not caused any mischief, she hasn't used any of the magic. She's been near the salt, like she's had the salt, but she's never thrown it or anything. So she's never actually done. done. Okay, they reach the old chapel, find Grandpa and Lena shackled to the wall unconscious. They're watched over by Muriel's creepy puppet, Mendigo. Uh, I kept wanting to say Mandango, so maybe I'll keep calling him that. And he's now bigger and alive. Speaking of Muriel, she's there, but all hot and young, and she has an army of imps. They're working on unraveling the knots holding the demon. Um, There's a big battle, and it looks like it's turning in our hero's favor, but that Trixie Muriel reduces Hugo to bits, and when Grandma gets her with the crossbow, it's but a flesh wound. The imps catch Seth and Grandma, but they can't touch Kendra. (laughs) Uh, Grandma orders Kendra to run away, so at least one member of the family can survive all this. Muriel tries to waylay her, but gets all pissy when Kendra's all sensible. Like, pointing out that releasing the demon's stupid since it's not going to be her friend. Muriel reveals, to the shock of no one, that she's in cahoots with the Society of the Evening Star <gasps> to bring <gasps> down the preserves. 
And with that, Kendra runs back to the house, determined to find a weapon and save her family. She's just not entirely sure how to do about, go about all that, but she's got to do something. Yeah, she basically just runs away crying. Yeah. Which uh, I would have done too. Yeah, fair. Seth had taken great satisfaction in Grandma's choice of a green shirt. <laughs> Green's his thing. Oh, I kind of liked this. It's getting dark and Grandma says, let's get this over with as soon as we can. Evil likes darkness. Why is that, Seth asked. Grandma thought about the question a moment before answering because evil likes to hide. She didn't say, shut up, Seth. She right, but it's, up with an answer. it's, so it's like, it's like insidious in the sense that the, it likes to hide so it can like sneak up on you, but it also likes to hide because it's kind of cowardly. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, that was cool. It's pretty true. Pretty, pretty cool. I also like the Limberjack. I think it's really cool and creepy. And the fact I'm... that it's named. Mandingo. Uh, <laughs> Mandingo. No, Mendigo, like a Wendigo from oh, Native American. Is that what they were going for? I don't know, but I really, I've always liked that sound combination anyways. So having something so close, I think sounds really cool. I just kept saying Mandango in my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I order all my tickets Man- from Man- Mandango.com. That's where I take bath mat. <laughs> <laughs> it made the demon way less scary. Just like, and also the, de- the demon's just like behind all of these ropes. And I, yeah. I kind of want to see that. I want to see it like, I, I, I can't decide if I want it to. Yeah, I like the image of, like, some sort of, like, not quite formed dark presence, just, not. like, like, just, like, struggling behind these ropes. What's up? Nothing. Oh. It's just, like, you acknowledged my pun with this, like, terse smile and then continued on. They can't see what's happening. I have to tell them. This is not a visual medium. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> That's gonna be our, the t-shirts. Hello, fellow kids. This is not a visual medium. <laughs> In the back, be like, this is a visual medium. And there's like a woman with like crystal ball going. (laughs) (laughs) It's dumb. (laughs) Don't laugh at that. Hey, your favorite character comes back in this chapter. Oh, are we moving on now? No, the creepy lady with the, uh. God, I know. Desperate gimbal. Okay, a desperate gimbal. (laughs) Gamble. So there's no emails. You said gamble wrong! Kendra's heading back to the house when she thinks, why not go to the Fairy Queen Shrine for help? Sure, the last guy to step foot on the island was turned to dandelion seeds, but that seems like the lesser of a whole lot of evils. So, uh, Kendra drops the weapon idea and heads to the Naiad slash Gazebo Island. She goes right to the boathouse, but it's locked and she can't break in because she's not Seth. She can sense she's being watched, so she calls out to that whoever's there can break the door down and she won't watch them like a little kid negotiating with monsters. Okay, I'm gonna run to my bed. You're not gonna grab my feet. And then you're gonna get development, okay? <laughs> the kid runs and leaps onto the bed, and the monster's just like, well, he's got me there. So she turns her back, and she hears a little sound, and she kind of reluctantly peeks, and she sees that one of the naiads has thrown a key onto the dock, and she doesn't like the implication of it. Yeah. She's like, oh. Oh. That's bad. So they really want me to go into the water. Okay. Well, no, they have the key. Why do they have the key to the boathouse? I'd be like, what happened to the person who had it before? <laughs> just like like a like a, a, a hand bone just like jumps right. out of water too. I wouldn't be surprised. These <laughs> bitches are cray. And then a little, little burp and some bubbles. <laughs> yeah. Get me. Okay, with that hurdle leaped, Kendra gets into the boathouse and she chooses a pedal boat, the funnest boat of all times. I love pedal boats. She initially has some trouble with the naiads effing with the pedals and trying to tip her. 
But like with all idiotic bullies, Kendra ignores the behavior and the naiads get bored. But once Kendra's on the island, she's so distracted at the thought of becoming dandelion seeds that she doesn't secure the pedal boat and the naiads pull it away. These bitches need a hobby. So <laughs> Kendra finds the shrine and asks the fairy queen for help. She's so overwhelmed by the enormity of the situation, she bursts into tears. And just like Jesus statues, the shrine cries as well and fills a little bowl a third of the way. I mean, that was weird. <laughs> so, and then a psychic voice tells Kendra that she needs to mix the tears with milk and blood. Then they'll accept the offering and help her. She goes back to the shore, and the naiads have brought the boat back, I guess? Or the fairy queen? I don't know, but the boat goes back to the dock without Kendra pedaling. Unfortunately, Mandango, the creepy puppet, is waiting for her. Uh, Mandango still can't touch her. And Kendra realizes that as soon as she mixes this fairy potion together, she'll have worked magic and she won't be off limits anymore. So, in the best move ever, Kendra removes Mandango's arms and throws them into the lake. <laughs> this brilliant but dick move means Mandango's able to kick her, and then he tries to fish his arms out of the lake with his foot, but a naiad reaches up and yanks him in. Then I laugh for a full minute. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. He's like, in his hand, yanks him in. I'm like, yes. Yeah, again, she's like, what's the worst co that could happen? Death, yeah. but on her terms, because yeah. this whole book is just obsessed with death, even though like, nobody really dies or anything. I like that she thinks about jumping into water, and then she doesn't, because that would be dumb. Yeah. I'm gonna turn my back and close my eyes. When I hear the door break, I'll wait ten seconds before turning back around. Anytime, just smash down the door. I promise I won't look. And they're like, just take the She key. heard a gentle <laughs> splash and a tinkling sound. Okay, sounds like we have a taker. Just, just break down the door. Anything now. Any, 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 just bring it down. Any. Okay, key works too. Thanks for the key. <laughs> <laughs> she tells this story about the time that she really wanted to go on the high dive because all the other oh, kids God, were, and she story. gets up there, and she's like, "This doesn't look fun anymore." No. And so she climbs down real quick so that nobody would notice. And I just wrote exactly because I was like, "You don't need to glide. That's you don't have to do that. This is being scary. You don't have to. No, it's fine." <laughs> Jumping off a high dive or riding a roller coaster with multiple loops. Or passing a note to Scott Thomas. Those were all voluntary thrills. There was no real consequence to avoiding the risk. And I was just like, exactly. That's why I never did anything scary. Because it didn't matter if I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Who does it affect? Yeah. No one. Yeah, it's okay. like, do it. Do it. Do no it. thanks. Do it. <laughs> and then because I'm not from Boston, I just go, no thanks. And proceed <laughs> to not do it. <laughs> I don't know, man. You climbed a mountain because there might have been a switchback. I got actually really... Initially, I was really tense when she starts to cross the water. But then when she, like, when she's just like, okay, as soon as they start bumping me, I'll just wait. Mm-hmm. And I'll go a little bit more. And I'll wait. I was like... That's a perfect person to do that because she's so patient. Yeah. Seth would have been dipped in the drink and then yeah. that's the end of him. <laughs> she's the only one who could have done this. And they found nothing left of Seth except for His one green shirt <laughs> and one tusk. Oh, because he's still the. They would turn him back into they a walrus him. just to mess with him. <laughs> um, I assume that it was the fairy queen that was like, "Hey, give me that boat. Give, nip, nip. Breeze, bring back." Just can you halt your shit for five seconds? Good God. Shit. I hated the image of like the boat. Like, not hated, but like I, I felt dread 
when she's going up and then like the fucking puppets like waiting for her on the dock of it and she's like could you turn it in another direction and it doesn't it just keeps going right to him which made me think maybe the naiads were controlling it <laughs> just for that uh, like, uh, no uh, make uh, creepy puppet man <laughs> have fun just that he's like waiting there probably doing a creepy jig i don't know i keep a log of all the books i read and uh one that I read most recently had a subtitle that was uh, Puppet Masters. And I didn't realize until the day after when I had read it, written it in my log uh, that I had my phone because I... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there's just some feline analingus going on. and Self-analingus. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> um, my boy's so talented. <laughs> I didn't realize that I'd actually written uh, Pupper Masters, and it was <laughs> all those puppers. We <laughs> amused <laughs> Okay, Bathmat. Okay, chapter eighteen. Bathmat. See, you're saying Bathmat now too. No, 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 Bathmat. It's getting to be morning, and Kendra goes back to the barn and milks Viola, and then stabs a teat to get some blood. After quibbling for a bit like a wuss, she pricks her thumb and adds her blood to the mix. Then she remembers that she'll need to drink milk to see fairies and get some bottled stuff for herself and her family. I guess she couldn't use the bottled milk for the mixture because reasons? Oh, no, there is a reason for that. What? I I think it was because it would take so much longer to get to the house because she had no concept of distance because she had only gone that way through the uh, with the wagon. There's bottled milk in the cupboards on the grounds here in the barn. Uh. yeah <laughs> i was like well why why did you you're not even helping the cow really because the cow's like why'd you stop there when she just pulled on the teat for a little bit it didn't specify fresh milk because <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even think of the cow because i was like she's really young she's not gonna have any of that she's not that big either so where's she gonna get this milk <laughs> i went oh right the cow okay good call <laughs> Well, he, Brandon actually cut the scene where she reaches for one of the bottles, and then she just hears the Fairy Queen's voice. Not that one. Fresh. I meant fresh. Don't give me that black shit. (laughs) Sorry, that wasn't clear. (laughs) Sorry, this is, like, really cool. (laughs) Do you think this is cool? The Fairy Queen's just talking into the back of a fan. (laughs) Fresh milk. Oh my god. You just described my whole childhood. (laughs) Talking into a fan. Okay, um, she manages to coax some fairies into drinking the gross mixture, and they become huge. One of them's like, reporting for duty, Captain, and Kendra has them restore Dale and has them take her to her family. Uh, they just leave Dale there, which, fair, what's he gonna do? Um, the fairies carry her away to the Forgotten Chapel. Uh, inside, Seth's been aged many years, <laughs> stuffed in a huge jar, which I found hilarious. Um, Grandpa's an orangutan, like like Muriel said earlier. Lena's a catfish, and there's no sign of Grandma. Uh, the fairies wage war against the imps, but they fight them by kissing them, and then the imps become fairies again. They're lesbian fairies! So the fairy army gets um, huger, and they fight Bathmat, Muriel, and the horrible lady that gives me and Kendra nightmares. Horrible lady pieces out, but the demon and Muriel are caught up in knots once again. 
the fairies rip away the chapel and cave in the basement and they create like a hill covered in fruit trees where the whole mess used to be. Um, Kendra's whole family is restored. Turns out gra Grandma was a slug in the catfish tank. Um, even Hugo is put back together again. And the fairies take everyone home except Lena. They carry her off in another direction while she's arguing with them. And Kendra orders them back, but they ignore her. Rude! Uh, at the house, the fairies all kiss Kendra and become fairy-sized again. And Kendra's all dazed and confused after all 300 kiss her. And she goes inside to see that the brownies have fixed the house up. Then she collapses. This is the one chapter I don't think I'm a huge fan of. There are a lot of things that I like overall. I mean, I like... Is I, it too deus ex machina? It's very much. It's... It's the one time where I was like, I don't think he knew how he wanted to... I liked the creatures everyone underestimates and go, oh, they're just so pretty and cute. Are the ones that are all like, well, now we're in this. Yes, but it didn't feel like there was any threat because of that. Because you don't really see... The... You don't really see Bathmat do anything. Yeah, you don't really see him emerging and you don't see him during the fight. And then there yeah. are a lot of like instances where you see a creature for the first and last time in this. Yeah. Like, It'll like the Octobear? Like, yeah, the Octobear and the Minotaur and stuff. It's like they're there and then they're gone. It's It it just felt very, like, rushed. Yeah. I mean, I like this because I like the idea of the fairies kissing imps yeah. and making them fairies. Like, like even that. if he had just expanded this chapter to be maybe two chapters and did, given us more of, like, a there's no way you can survive and really see the implications of if they don't succeed and then have the fairies, I feel like it would be a bit more redeeming. But because it just goes directly from, she goes and she gets the three liquids really easily. Really easily, yeah. And then fairies, and then fairies just go and make out with everybody. There wasn't that middle point where I was like, oh crap, I really hope this works. Because it just felt like, oh, it's I guess it's going to work well, now. Well, we kind of had that moment with the whole getting across the, the in the boat to try to get to the island. Just like, am I even going to make it to the Like, I was kind of concerned. I, I knew she'd make it. but Right. But that was unrelated to the looming threat that had been there for a long time ever since we introduced the idea of a demon being held on the premises. That yeah. was a separate sort the of... The demon was pretty lackluster. Yeah. What do you expect with someone called Bathmat, am I right? I mean, he just kind of laid there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just walk on him. With he also, feet. He also uses the phrase every time Kendra saw Viola, even though I'm pretty sure it was the second time. Yeah. You don't say every time, it's just two. Um, I was like, okay, let's yep, put it together. I wrote, I wrote, please no, next to the phrase fleshy teat. <laughs> <laughs> How else do you describe a teat? A teat. Both Viola and her own blood were in the mixture. Yeah. I want to know which blood it was supposed to have been. Probably hers. What if they needed the, it was mostly the cow's blood, so the cow controlled the fairies? <laughs> so all the fairies are just milking her, and then that's the end of it. <laughs> oh, you went in a different direction. I was thinking, what if, what if Viola controlled the fairies during the battle, and like it, it just cuts back to Viola, and she has this giant computer set up, and she's got a headset on, and she's like, "All right, <laughs> battle stations, everyone! I need Alpha Team. You search uptown." <laughs> Which one of us is Alpha Team? I don't. I don't. And then I was like, something's gonna go wrong when the fairies were like confirming what exactly she wanted, but then nothing really went wrong. No, I was like, I don't know. They're tricksters. I feel like something should have happened. <laughs> like when they were holding her up there, just drop her or something. Yeah. Yeah. I when when it said that Seth was inside the jar and had been H, I just wrote ha. Yeah. So it's like that's yep. He had it coming. Muriel stood in a theatrical pose, chanting spidery words. I liked that spidery Arachnid. words. Arachnid, tarantula, <laughs> legs, <laughs> phrases, <laughs> phrases. That's, that's not it. Why are they 
they keep shouting strawberries? I did write, this is too quick and easy, especially for a world-ending demon. Last chapter. All right, last chapter. Chapter 19 is Farewell to Fablehaven. Um, Kendra slept for two days, and when she woke up, she could see fairies without drinking milk. This worries Grandpa, but Kendra says she really wants to see things how they... She wants to see things how they really are. Uh, but that puts her more at risk, because there's things that are, like, hiding. And then she'll be all like, why is that man in the corner? And he's like, shit! <laughs> she'll be at school, and she'll just be yeah. seeing things. And Genies don't teach gym! <laughs> <laughs> Fablehaven 2, all the Bailey School Kid books. Yes! And that's what they're all saying to her, but she's like, no, seriously, the mermaid is teaching us gym. I can't remember all of them. Anyway, um... Grandpa and Kendra go back to the Nyad Lake to return the Fairy Queen's bowl, and they visit Lena. Lena's been restored back to a Nyad, and to prove it, she tries to drown Kendra. <laughs> um, all the fairies that see Kendra wave and act like she's a rock star. Dale, however, has a bit of a chip on his shoulder because his brother Warren wasn't around for the fairies to cure his catatonia. So that has a bit of chip about that. Anyway, the parents show up fat and happy from their cruise, and they take the kids home, promising they can visit again sometime. The end. Drink the milk. Did you find that? Hmm? Did you find the drink the milk? Where? Right before the acknowledgments. That's where I wrote drink the milk. Oh, <laughs> hey! No, I didn't notice yeah. that. That's actually really cool. I know, I was like, I like that. And the fact that it's in a little, like, handwriting font, mm -hmm. which is not used anywhere else, but, like, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. I'm bummed that she got turned back into a naiad. She doesn't have her husband anymore. And that was most of her, um, how do you say this word? Impetus? Impetus. 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 Please prevent us from doing anything. Impetus! <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it that way. It was her This was my impenis. <laughs> Don't confuse it with an out penis. <laughs> <laughs> her impetus. To leave the lake was to be with her husband, and she's had like a fulfilling life. It's I don't know. Is it kind of like an allegory for living your life and then you're in heaven or something? Then you get to, because she still looks all old and shit. She's just like immortal again. Yeah. So she's not gonna get any older. Right. I'm betting it's gonna come back around. I'm betting oh, she's probably. gonna turn back again because she was such a pivotal character. She was. For this. Like, and she was so adamant about, like, I've made the right choice. Yeah. I've lived a cool life. I've learned so much things. I've traveled places. Which is, like, on, people, <clears throat> on people's bucket lists before they die. And she did all that. And then it's like, okay, back to the pond. Yeah. I mean, the the last chapter is pretty yes. just wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. I would give it, I would say I would give it a four out of five. I thought it was, yeah, it, it, had, it had a couple of spots that I had issues with, but... On the whole, it was a really enjoyable read. Yep. I I liked it. And I can definitely see why a lot of uh, parents and just adult readers of YA are excited about it. Because mm -hmm. it, it's not pandering. It's not, like, gorgeously written where you're, like, cutting out, like, phrases and stuff. But it's... Phrases? Yeah. But, I mean, it it's telling a story well. It's, yeah. It's compelling without using any, like, tricks to get you to keep reading. It's just a well-crafted story. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely recommend it. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. I don't think we probably won't tackle any of the other books for this on the podcast. No. I will probably read them at some point. Not they're not a high priority just because right. I have so many other things to read. But yeah, I'll probably get around to them. They're... Eventually. Eventually.
I don't know what that's from. I don't either. Oh! It's from nothing. It is from the Amanda show, The Procrastinator. Okay. Yep. I didn't like that show. Ah. Uh. Hence the long-suffering eye roll I just did. This is, uh, <laughs> not a visual medium. <laughs> and with that, I suppose, unless you have anything else? Mm-mm. Drink the milk. Drink the milk. Drink the milk. Drink the milk. <laughs> and then blow on my ropes. <laughs> <laughs> Drink the milk and blow my nuts. Drink the milk and blow my nuts. Sounds like you're saying nuts. <laughs> blow my nuts. That's my secret. <laughs> That's my secret. I've been saying nuts this whole time. <laughs> and with that, hello fellow kids. <laughs> Brought to you in front of a live studio audience of cheese and licking his butthole. That's about right. Um, Hello, fellow kids is recorded by Josh and Mara and produced by Josh. Music by Ben Ash. Visit him at benash.com. If you wish to contact us, go ahead and email us at hfkpodcast at gmail.com and we uh, probably won't get back to you because I don't remember the password. It's. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>